0: If you would, uh, if a Bible, there's one there in the pew, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And in that blue Bible, the pew Bible, it's page 1169. Um, and our attention will be on the, the 16th verse. Um, But again, as I have been doing over these past weeks, I I want to back up and read the whole. I want us to hear the... So here's the word of God. Colossians 3, starting at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, See at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, too, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Father, as you delight to honor your son, as he has taken up in his hands the work of our salvation and been faithful as he's accomplished the great task that you set for him. Glorify Him. Let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let it be, O Father, let it be clear and incisive. Instruct us, shape us, teach us, admonish us, make us thankful. Glorify your Son in us and through us. We pray in his name. Amen. Christian, here The word of Christ is the liveliness of the church. And the liveliness of the church extends the peace of Christ on earth. Paul's letter to the Colossians comes to fulfillment in this declaration. This is the point of his letter. This was the starting point of that ancient church's endeavor. The word of Christ, the liveliness of the church, the peace of Christ. These are three points uh, on a line charting the trajectory of your calling individually and corporately. This is Paul's excitement back in chapter one. In that first chapter, Paul rejoices in his sufferings as a gospel minister. This trajectory, one, two, three, that direction, is the reason for his joy. So Christians hear, the word of Christ is the liveliness of his church. And the liveliness of the church extends the peace of Christ on the earth. In chapter 2, Paul attacks the false teaching that plagues the Colossians. And it was like a plague, a creeping sickness, a withering counterfeit gospel. That same slick nausea licks at your sanity and your fruitfulness today. Faith is fine, but are you a good enough person Christian for faith to actually work. Paul proclaims, Christ has defeated the powers of this world. Death, sin, the flesh, and every other power. He delivers you from every domination. No. You are not good enough. You are set free. After victory, Comes order and opportunity, safety to rebuild and flourish. You find this peace of Christ in Christ's church. The factions of our society, even the, the bullying of natural kinship no longer possess you. Here is your place, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. No, you are not good enough. You are a member of Christ's church. The peace of Christ, enjoyed by the church of Christ, springs from the word of Christ. Around you are are fascinating lies and old-fashioned foolishness. No, your upbringing, your education, your character, they are not good enough. As Paul says in 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. What is this alternative? according to Christ. What is the word of Christ? Now Jesus fulfills the Old Testament and is the substance of the New Testament, so it's reasonable to answer, the word of Christ is the Holy Scriptures. That's reasonable, but actually, that's an anachronism. The historical accounts and letters that comprise the New Testament hadn't yet been bound in a book. They weren't yet available as a set. The Old Testament was available in Greek translation, but all by itself, it's more the promise of Christ than the word of Christ. When Paul says the word of Christ, he is not referring to written documents. The word of Christ is the revelation given in Christ. As Paul says in Colossians 2, 2 and 3, quote, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is Paul's message. And this is a sound summary of the New Testament as a whole. Equating the word of Christ with the Bible is reasonable because the church at this stage was built on the teaching of living apostles and prophets. The New Testament is God's inspired record of the word of Christ. But you can't imagine the Colossians Quoting Luke 7 or 1 Timothy 2. They certainly would quote and apply the word of Christ, but they'd be quoting the book of Isaiah or something from Paul. Or most often, they'd be quoting the teaching they received from the mouth of, of Epaphras, Paul's fellow worker there in Colossae. Sometimes they would quote Epaphras when Epaphras was quoting Isaiah without realizing that they were actually quoting Epaphras, quoting Paul, explaining Isaiah. And sometimes they didn't quote at all. They were well taught, Paul tells us. They understood. They just put it in their own words, their own way of saying it. And that too, not Isaiah's words, not Paul's words, not a Christ's words, their own words, were the word of Christ. Are your words the words of Christ? Now, honestly, sometimes yes, sometimes no. That's why Paul exhorts you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But, but how does that work? There are three facts about the word of Christ that you need to understand before we look at how the word enlivens the church, the word of Christ is personal, coherent, and received. Hold on to these three. Personal, coherent, received. First, the word of Christ is personal. You can speak the word of Christ and apply it usefully because, by faith, that word unites you With the living God. We heard this before. This was our assurance of pardon from John 14. Hear it again. Jesus answered him If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. With his word, God's presence is. Joined to your person. And hear the similarity. Paul's exhortation. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Second, the word of Christ is coherent. It is a word. It isn't a mantra. It isn't a secret spell. It isn't emotionally stirring gibberish. The word of Christ is normal human language although it expresses things beyond your imagination. Faith is not a trance or a psychological trick. Faith holds on to Christ because Christ has communicated the knowledge of who he is and his great accomplishments and his promises. The word of Christ is the ordinary words of ordinary people who trust in his extraordinary love and faithfulness. It's not the magic of Christ. It is the word of Christ. As you can speak it, just like you can learn it. And third, the word of Christ, personal, coherent, is received. You can't hold it until you get it. You can't repeat it until someone else says it to you. This is how you came to faith in Christ. As Paul says in chapter 1, you, that's the Colossians, you learned the gospel from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Notice the shift there from past tense to present tense. You learned it at first from Epaphras, and he continues to be a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Your need to receive does not go away. Later, Paul describes the work of the pastors and Paul's own work this way. He says, "Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Mature, not just born again. Mature, not just begun." Word of Christ is fundamentally received. Now, this talk of faithful ministers on your behalf, this really is one part of the logic of church membership. And and in the background here, without unearthing, as we might say, in the background really is the framework for the Presbyterian model of the church. (laughs) Faithful ministers are crucial. To the liveliness of the church. Now, there's just one thing. As we read, the ESV uses the word minister for Epaphras, and that's their working according to the context. And, and, and they use the word minister again of Paul in chapter 1, verse 23, 25. But it needs to be noticed that Paul uses in all three places the word servant. You need such servants. The word of Christ is received from them. And so you have it personally and coherently. Now, Christians, here again, the word of Christ is the liveliness of the church, and the liveliness of the church extends the peace of Christ on the earth. I know. Liveliness is an odd word. Um, I think Dave Rosser gave it to me. <laughs> One Sunday after worship, when people hung around visiting for a particularly long time, uh, Dave remarked he was encouraged by the liveliness in the room. And, and, and it was encouraging. It is encouraging. So, so what is liveliness? Merriam-Webster gives a few defini- definitions. The state or quality of being briskly alert or energetic or the state of quality of being active and intense the the, the third on their list the state or quality of being full of life movement or incident this is what the word of Christ does in the church let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we've examined the word of Christ. It is the revelation that came forth with the Lord Jesus as life and death and resurrection and ascension. It's the personal, coherent, and received knowledge of God in the gospel. And the word of Christ enlivens the church in just these ways. By being corporately personal and corporately coherent and corporately received. The word of Christ is how Jesus' seed in heaven brings the fruit of his victory on earth. In, In the words of the Heidelberg Catechism which we read earlier, it is by the word of Christ that in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit he is never absent from us. This He does in His Word, the Word of Christ. The church being indwelled by the Word of Christ, it echoes what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, In Christ, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The Word of Christ, spoken and sung among you, is the presence of Christ dwelling, living with you, participating in the regularity of life with you, in your earthly sentences and questions and statements and exclamations, the heavenly Christ is with you. With the word of Christ, Christ himself joins in the interpersonal life of this church. Please notice, The presence of Christ, the word of Christ, is not limited to this this corporate worship on the Lord's day. Dwelling is not the language of one day in seven. One day in seven we assemble. To dwell is the way Jesus spoke in John. To make his home with us. 24-7, dinner table, vacuuming the house on Thursdays. That's not the description of public worship. Instead of a faithful servant teaching and admonishing the congregation, all of you, each of you, is to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And it really is stunning. The exact language used for Paul's ministry is taken and applied to each of you what happens in worship is the flavor of life. It's where all the other days come from. And notice the open-endedness of the following verse. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Instead of being limited to public worship, the word of Christ overflows from public worship. There's teaching and admonishing and wisdom and singing and thanksgiving and whatever you do in the other six days of the week. With the word of Christ dwelling richly among you, the benefits of Christ's heavenly victory are enjoyed in the back and forth of being together in your lives. The word of Christ enlivens the church interpersonally. Now this presence of Christ in daily life, it may sound extravagant. Surely that thing from Ephesians about us being a dwelling place for the Spirit of God is metaphorical or some kind of illustration. No. It is true. Does it sound too glorious? Does it sound like I'm selling expectations too high? The word of Christ does not bring some ecstatic state, some heavenly vision. It doesn't bring halos of light on your head. The word of Christ is ordinary human speech. It is corporately coherent, not some strange science beyond everyday conversation. Teaching and admonishing each other with all wisdom Is simply speaking and thinking together with honesty and reverence. All you're doing is believing God's word out loud together. What is happening between us and around us? And what does the word of Christ say about it? Whatever the word of Christ says, you say. Maybe you don't know, so you ask questions. You can sort through a puzzlement or a problem with your brother and sister. And together you find the sweet and the strong things that teach and admonish each other. Teach. With the word of Christ, you help each other remember and act on the truth. Admonish, you help each other recognize and turn away from Temptation and foolishness. You encourage each other and comfort each other and generally help each other unpack and enjoy the benefits of the gospel. Now, these riches they go beyond teaching and admonishing. You are called to sing together. This is part of how the word of Christ is the liveness of the church singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I'm going to pass over the details and differences about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, except to point out one thing. Until about a hundred years ago, it was very common for Christians to sing from the book of Psalms. Now, you may have You you may have been drawn to the book of Psalms. Someone may have said to you, I don't know what to say to you, your life is hard, read the book of Psalms. Someone may have said to you, wow, you're you're excited, that reminds me of this in the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, these these prayers inspired by the spirit, the the full circle of, of being a human heart in this world. I've read the Psalms over and over for a long time. And why would you not? God's people have sung the Psalms over and over. Those songs belong to you. They are the songs that the Lord Jesus sang on earth. They are the songs of the Christian journey. And as a congregation, I hope that we will improve in our worship, that, that we'll be able to take the psalms up in song, not just in the reading that we're doing, not to disparage. To, <laughs> Psalm 99, we stepped in to the, the glorious presence of God on our, our own lips. But, but let's talk about singing in general. This is your calling together. Songs of worship need to become typical in your homes. I know all these little short songs that I learned through the last 30 years of being a Christian, and that's what happens at my house when we fold laundry. And I'll be honest, we fold a lot of laundry in my house um, because I'm there and I'm doing, and my mind is free and where would my mind go? There should be singing of praise in your house, in your family, in the space where you simply are. This is part of the word of Christ dwelling richly in you. I don't sing well, and, and I'm limited by the number of songs I sing. I sing for Anna at bedtime when I have friends over for dinner or a night of games. We usually in the evening sing a few songs. I can only sing like one out of ten in this train of the Um, which maybe that's me. Maybe the hymns not so good on me. That's a joke. Maybe you can only sing one out of ten, but we start where we are. Listen, you're called. To be caught up in the richness of the presence of Christ. In the word of Christ. And that means singing. Um, we won't complain. If you take a hymnal home. You'll, you should bring it back next Sunday. Because you'll, you'll want it then too. But it makes sense. Do you eat dinner together? Well take time. To read scripture. To sing. That is the word of not just being true, not just being what you believe. That is the word dwelling with you. Why should singing be typical? And not just for Sunday worship. Typical in your dwelling, your house, your daily schedule. Well, from the from the book of Revelation, we can see that. Singing praise is something of a snapshot of heaven, and in many ways, the Book of Psalms puts the singer with one foot in heaven and one on earth. Where would you rather stand when you're just standing around? No, you cannot see the angels of Isaiah six, and you can't you can't hear them singing. Holy, holy, holy. But yes, you can. He dwells with you. You can sing with them. You are called to set your minds on things above. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. The book of Psalms shows you how to do that out loud from within yourself and coming out of your mouth into the room. Singing—it provokes your emotions with the Word of Christ. This is part of the Word being coherent. It's not just true and understandable; it is dramatic, and it pulls you to match it. Stirring, s- singing stirs your affections. It stirs the affections of the people across the table from you by putting in your voices the great convictions of God's Word. When your convictions stir up your affections, that changes your expectations. You begin to experience delight in things not seen, yes, and longing for things not yet. You're stirred up to thanksgiving for all God's benefits, and that in turn convinces you that God is attentive and at work. This is how the word of Christ is the liveliness of the church. And Lastly, personal, coherent. The word of Christ is your liveliness because it is corporately received. The word of Christ bounces back and forth between us. The most vivid way to experience that you don't need to be a good enough Christian, is to receive the word of Christ from your brothers and sisters, with your weaknesses and disorders, and the word of Christ from other Christians. It's in this receiving back and forth that you see on earth the concrete results of Christ's victory. That encourages you, it stirs you up to expect Jesus to do more, more of the same and more than you've ever seen, but more tomorrow and the next day. And the word of Christ dwells richly in you together. That is the liveliness of the church. The Christian here, the word of Christ is the liveliness of the church, and the liveliness of the church extends the peace of Christ on earth. Now you might think, oh, a lively church. Of course, that extends Christ's peace on the earth. Christians with better attitudes. They can do the whole Christian thing better. Hardworking Christians. That's what he means. That's a reasonable train of thought. But that is not how this works. This is not just psychological or motivational. In the word of Christ, in your own words, together, in the word of Christ. The heavenly Christ works on the earth. Because he dwells with us by his word, his heavenly victory pushes out his peace on earth. We will carry this through on the next Lord's day, God willing. But have this clear for now. It is the dwelling of Christ that produces peace. The work of the church comes from Christ. As Paul says, Colossians 1, 19, 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The work of the church is done by faith in this Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Christian, here, the Word of Christ is the liveliness of this church. And the liveliness of this church is how the peace of Christ is extended on the earth. Pray with me. Father, you instruct us. You speak clearly. You give to us understanding. And this we know. In your Son, you have accomplished redemption, the rescue of the world. In your Son, you have gathered and are gathering your people. This we believe. We have no power. It is not in our hands to effectuate, to bring forward in events what you have promised. Father, what rightly, what rightly to be the, the prize and the reward of your son. We look to him, so we look to you, trusting, waiting, pleading, that you would do as you have promised, that you would dwell with us richly in our words together, our singing together, our lives together, that you would glorify your son. Right.